What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Psycho's World, where we talk video games, motorcycles, DIY, and more. I am your host, Matt, but you can call me by my universal gamer tag, PsychoCourt. I want to share with you some of the things that interest me in my world, because if you are here, then they most definitely interest you as well. So, whether you're slaying some noobs in a battle royale, got your knees in the breeze and laying down some miles on your bike, maybe you're working out your next DIY project that may or may not be going as you wanted it to, or anything else you're getting into at the moment, I'm here to hopefully make this part of your day a little bit more enjoyable. All right, everybody, I got you back for yet another one, and I do, as always, appreciate you showing up and tuning in and listening to what I got to say. Hopefully, everybody's had a good week so far. I've had one hell of a week myself. It's been a little busy around work, very hectic, but you didn't come to this podcast to hear me complain. So I will go ahead and just get into the meat and potatoes of this one. So I told you guys last episode that I wanted to hopefully get fellow dolphin Merlin in here to talk about some homebrewing. Well, the time has come. Me and him just recorded last night at the time of the recording now. So I'm going to put that in this episode after I'm done talking with this little opening segment you guys will hear the conversation me and him had, well, conversation, interview, whatever you want to have it. Uh, fair warning, it's uh, about, well, like I said, home brewing and beer brewing. So uh, it's obviously some, you know, adult-related content. So therefore, anybody, you know, who does not need to be listening to such adult-related content needs to not be listening, number one. And uh, number two, just in case, you know, you may or may not be sensitive to that content, whatever the case may be. If you don't want to listen, it's not going to hurt my feelings if you just don't listen to this episode. It, it, re it really won't. I will catch you guys on the next one, hopefully. But uh, anyway, so without further ado, here is the interview that I had with him. Oh, and one more fair warning. I do apologize about the quality of the audio I recorded, I don't have a two mic setup at the current point of time. So what I had to do was take uh, my old condenser microphone that picks up legitimately everything. And I had to do a lot of filtering and all that good stuff that uh, comes with audio editing and all that good stuff. So apologize about the way that the audio sounds. It's not going to be as clear as this microphone, but uh, it still sounds good enough. And hopefully I did a well enough job getting it together for you guys and all that stuff. So without further ado, here is that. All right, everybody. So like I said before, I uh, was able to get fellow dolphin Merlin here, talk a little bit about some home brewing. So uh, Merlin, why don't you go ahead and give us a little introduction, maybe uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and say hi to the folks. Well, hi, folks. I am a uh, fellow sun dolphin. Not sure how much... Uh... Matt has conveyed to you about our our dolphin network that we have, but we're basically just a bunch of guys get together and drink beer. Uh, he brought me in today to speak a little bit about beer and home brewing and uh, all the excitement that can that is involved with that. Um, 
of, of the of the fellow Sun Dolphins, I am the only one that makes his own beer. Uh, some of my some of the dolphins have been able to partake in several nights uh, of enjoying those beers, and it's been a been a hit so far. So, but but all that aside, um, given the ins and outs of home brewing, uh, I think Psycho Cork here wanted me to begin with uh, what really got me into home brewing, and uh, why did I why did I start to do that? Um, in all actuality, I really didn't even. It wasn't my decision. I, as a as a as a birthday gift, I got home one day on my birthday, and my wife had bought me uh, boxes and boxes of uh, what I, at the time I didn't know uh, was homebrew equipment, and uh, so uh, she bought me basically the the beginner's kit, which is extract five gallon homebrews, which is where most new home brewers would start. Um, it's just to put it into, into basic terms, you've got some five gallon buckets and some, some plastic hoses. And if you've got a, uh, a stock pot, you know, the, the old speckled kind that maybe your mom or grandma used to have anything that would boil a lot of water, that's really all it takes to, to get into home brewing some, some five gallon buckets, not, not the kind you'd get at your hardware store, but, uh, some you want something to be BPA free and 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 all of that you know, jargon that goes with that, but something you'd want to get at a homebrew supply store. Yeah, buddy. So some you can almost say that you're probably the most important dolphin <laughs> since <laughs> uh, you know we do the uh, whole Thirsty Thursday deals. Um, so okay, yeah, that's uh, how you got started. So. Um, what uh, what kind of brews do you do? Like, are you, is there anything similar to stuff that's already out there? Do you make your own, you know, flavor of the month type of deal? Like, you know, uh, just to throw something out there, just because my uh, buddy would drink something stupid like this, like a uh, pretzel with butter beer or some kind of <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> you do anything fancy or just well, whatever you like? You know, um, I, I've tried to do a couple of my own recipes. They they didn't turn out the best. One of the one that I particularly remember was a, a a pumpkin spice ale for around you know the fall and Halloween. The beer kit I got said to you know put in about a a can or two of uh, your basic uh, smash pumpkin pie filler that you would get at a at a grocery store. But while brewing, the reviews that I read said that the two cans wasn't enough, so I upped it to five. Uh, and it did not turn out real well. The beer turned out fine. It just tasted like a good beer, but it certainly, certainly did not taste like a pumpkin spice beer. It just tasted like a good, like a good ale. Uh, so that was the only time that I tried to work with my own beer recipe. And it actually wasn't even my own beer recipe. I just tried to upgrade uh, a set kit that I bought but the brew supply stores that that are currently currently available to anyone who wants to get into home brewing two two of the big ones one is Midwest supplies and the other one is northern brewer there's also a Austin homebrew supply but Midwest supplies and northern brewer are the two bigger ones and I believe northern brewer now owns Midwest supply uh, I've been very happy with both of those companies. They have countless, just countless, pre-packaged recipes 
that you can buy. You you want to make a cream ale. You want to make a stout. You want to make a, a honey wheat. The options are literally endless for for the different types of beer that you can get. <clears throat> one of my one of my favorites, one that goes over really well, um, and I still get all my all my kits from Midwest Supplies, uh, is the the cream ale. Uh, it's one of the I believe it, it's four weeks beginning to end, and it and it just goes over goes over great. Even for my friends that just all they drink is Bud Light or Miller Light, it's a it's it's a light beer, not a light, light beer in the, in the technical sense of lower calories and whatnot. It's just light and easy drinking. Another one that my wife loves is a raspberry wheat, and it comes with a, a raspberry ec- extract flavoring uh, that you add to it. And uh, the, the great thing about it is, is that when you, when you get into some of the fruit beers, peach, peach wheat, raspberry wheat, any of those, uh, some of them can have a tendency to be to be kind of sweet, or the you're you're using an artificial extract most of the time, and so those flavors can seem a, a little off. But the raspberry re- wheat really goes over well. It's not sweet; it just has a great raspberry finish to it. A five gallon brew, which is what you would be brewing from as a beginner, you're probably going to start off with five gallons. Makes anywhere between 48 50 beers somewhere in that area uh, it does it doesn't last long uh, especially on a hot summer days those raspberry wheats go pretty quick <laughs> right i almost want to say i can remember having one of those during the during the first uh pre-dolphin dolphin meeting if that makes any sense pre-dolphin dolphin meeting the pre-dolphin dolphin meeting uh <laughs> I almost want to say I did try one of those, and if I remember correctly, they were pretty good. I remember you had uh, some kind of Irish jig thing going on, you know, because that makes total sense. Uh, some kind of Irish beer going on. That was pretty good. That was probably an Irish stout. Um, yeah. Those, those have generally turned out pretty well. Uh, you, you definitely get that stout flavor. One thing that I haven't graduated to is... Uh, uh, when you get into the stouts, especially when you think Irish stout, you think Guinness. And the thing about Guinness, it's is that it's it's the difference between it and another beer is the carbonation, and it's not carbonated with your regular CO two that generally any other beer is going to be carbonated with your Miller Lite, Bud Light, any other almost any other beer that you buy in a bottle or buy at a bar is going to be carbonated with CO two. Uh, Guinness is different in the fact that it is carbonated with nitrogen. And I don't know all the technical terms. I, I, I think it's some an, a blend of nitrogen and carbon dioxide, but it's what makes the, the head or the foam of the beer have those tiny little fine little bubbles uh, as opposed to the, the big overpowering foaming over your glass kind of, kind of bubbles that you'll get with CO2. And this man knows what he's talking about. He is a I don't I'm gonna forget I'm gonna screw this up. But the certified Guinness pourer is that the <laughs> that's the yeah yeah. So he's been to uh, the Guinness uh, brewery in Ireland. Couldn't tell you where. I'm sure he could. It's in Dublin. There you go, Dublin, Dublin Ireland. Yes. Dublin Ireland. So so yeah, he's uh, certified to pour a Guinness. So we should take him for his word on that. So is there a prof- 
preferred process that you use that you know you maybe think is easier than say what you would read in a book or read online or you know anything else just do you any preferred way that you like to do it or is everything pretty straightforward everything every when you get into homebrew everything's pretty straightforward you you follow your basic steps you've got to boil your mash or, or not boil your mash you've got to steep steep your grains uh ex, to get the sugars extracted extracted from the grains you, and then you i still do extract brewing maybe i should step back just for a moment to explain the difference between extract and other types of brewing uh, when you first begin brewing, extract brewing is probably the easiest way to begin as a, as a new novice home brewer. Uh, the alternative to that would be all grain. Extract, when you buy a kit, which I still do, like I said, there's, there's countless kits from Midwest Supplies and Northern Brewer. Uh, they can, they're prepackaged, they provide the hops, the yeast, the grains, everything you need to make a beer. But extract brewing, you will generally receive uh, a particular amount of grains, uh, malt, uh, and barley, and but you'll also receive what uh, a, a barley ec- or a malt extract, which is it really looks like a a, a milk carton, you know, maybe a, a half gallon milk carton or a quart milk carton, and the what's in it is uh, is ex- malt extract. And it has the consistency and sweetness and stickiness of molasses. It's very, very sticky. Uh, so once you get your, your water hot enough after you've steeped your grains and extracted the sugars from those, you'll, you will, uh, you'll add the extract, molasses-looking uh, stuff that it is, and get that dissolved into your wort. And then the steps move on from there. You, you add your hops which add both aroma and will add some bitterness to your beer, which, which balances out the sweetness of the, of the malt and really makes beer what's uh, flavorful. So, again, follow, following the general steps, home brewing, or, or any brewing really, it, it follows primarily the same process boiling the malt and steeping your grains and getting that sugar into into your wort uh, which the sugars is the primary factor that's once you add yeast uh, you add yeast to your wort which is full of the sugars that have been extracted from the barley and that yeast eats the sugar and and when yeast eats sugar it produces two things carbon dioxide and alcohol those are the two byproducts so without yeast uh, your beer would have no carbonation and no alcohol. So is it easy to, because uh, I know like beer typically has a, what, oh God, what is it here in Missouri? Like four something? It's not 3-2, that's Kansas. Yeah, 3-2 Kansas, <clears throat> which they just recently changed. But uh, beers will vary. I'm sitting here, I'm drinking a Miller Lite just because that's what we had. And it's, what is that? 4.2% alcohol. So I guess, So is it easy to... What am I trying to say here? Easy, uh, to adjust the alcohol level in a beer, or is it a particular beer? A particular beer and a particular beer style will will generally come out along a pre-designated alcohol content level. When you, if you make a cream ale or you make a 
uh, a brown ale or an Irish stout, the alcohol percentage that you're going to get out of that is probably going to be a little preset. It's just, it's depending on the grains and the boiling time and everything that goes in with it, um, you're going to end up somewhere between a 4.5 and a 5.5 percentage beer. Um, you can measure that, uh, your alcohol percentage with a tool that's called a hydrometer. It's basically a little, a little tube and you, you, you throw, you put some of your beer in there and, and, um, and the hydrometer equipment, it'll gauge the, the alcohol percentage of the beer that you've made. You can, there are ways to increase alcohol percentage. You can add additional sugars. Honey is a big one. You can add honey to a beer. That'll boost your alcohol percentage. Anytime you add sugar, the yeast will eat the sugar, produce more carbon dioxide, and produce more alcohol. I got you. So this is kind of something I learned a little bit from watching videos on how to make mead, which I'll get into a little bit later. Um, but there's, at least from what I understand from me, there's like these little packets of, uh, I don't want to say fertilizer, this is the wrong word, but like uh, food, for lack of a better term, that's additional to the sugars and such. Uh, do you use that stuff in beer as well, or is that pretty much just like an outside beer brewery? I've never made a mead. Um, anytime when you get into meads or wines, the process from what I understand, again, I've never made any, and I, and I still consider myself a novice brewer. I brewed a lot of batches, but I still stick to all grain. Um, or pardon me, I'm sorry. I still stick to extract. I have not yet graduated to all grain, so I still consider myself a novice. But it, it sounds, it almost sounds like you're referring to the yeast that you might throw in, throw into uh, into the wort after that process has been completed. And that's what over time will make the yeast, but again, or make the alcohol. But again, uh, I'm not certain. I've never made a mead or a wine. And part of the reason for that is, is simply how long it takes for all of that to ferment. A mead and a wine where a beer might take uh, beginning to end four weeks, six weeks, maybe eight weeks. Um, of course, you can do longer. Some people do. Uh, a, a wine or a mead is going to take... Three months to a year. Three months to a year. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take a long time uh, before you're able to to appreciate the fruits of your labor. Right. Yeah. Quick meads that I, I've seen is like three months minimum. But yeah, I've heard the whole year thing too. I love yeah. mead. I just don't want to wait a year to you know drink it. Three, three months doesn't sound <clears throat> quick to me, especially when I can get a beer done in about four to five weeks. And uh, when you... When you try to uh, speed up a process uh, like that, something that's would generally take a year, and you want to do it in a quick process, probably you know a three month or a, a five month, you're probably going to end up with an inferior product. That that's my guess. I'm sure there's people out there in the in the internets and in the interwebs that would that would say I'm wrong, and I may be, but. Again, I think anytime you try to speed something up, you generally end up with an inferior product. Yeah, uh, they could probably be going. That could probably go for just about any anything really. All right, so I think we, I think you touched on this a little bit, but just in case we haven't, uh, is there a preference to equipment that you use? Like uh, I think off off uh, mic, we were talking about uh, like 
plastics versus uh, um, stainless steel. Like for right, um, yeah. it is there pros and cons, I guess, or you like using one or the other, and maybe why? I'm still I'm still using my plastic beginner's kit that I received um, for. Uh, again, I can't remember if it's my birthday or Christmas, but it's what my wife bought me. I've 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 purchased on my own a couple additional additional pieces, uh, second secondary fermenters, also known as a carboy, which is really uh, just a big five gallon water jug. If you you know the things you'd see in a water cooler in an office, plastic five gallon water jug, they dump over into the into the water spigot. That's pretty much the same thing. However, I've, I've been contemplating upgrading to stainless steel. The great thing with stainless steel is, of course, they're, they're going to last longer. Uh, some people, when, when dealing with the, the plastic equipment, they believe that you can get maybe some off flavors, flavors from your last beer if you didn't san- clean and sanitize properly, uh, may linger uh, in, the, in, the, in the plastic products that you're using, the, the buckets and the hoses. So I, I've been contemplating upgrading to, to stainless steel. However, I have not yet. Aside from the benefits of, of having better equipment, better equipment means higher cost. Right. So home brewing is one of those hobbies, as many are, you can spend as little or as much as you want to. You can, you can spend thousands if you wanted. My, my current homebrew setup, my equipment all told is probably who knows probably two to three hundred you can easily get uh, a beginner home brew kit from northern brewer midwest supply with with just the basics for probably around a hundred dollars i believe and 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 probably even cheaper when they're on sale during the holidays or or whatnot generally around what holidays would one you know like if you're gonna buy a grill or so you would uh you know maybe wait for father's day or something like that or so I guess my real question is like, what what would be kind of the best time? There's like summertime, fall, uh, wintertime. When, when when is I guess when in your opinion and experience would be the cheapest times to you know give a look and see what's going on out there? Well, the great thing about homebrewing is that it's a it's a year round hobby. Um, if you can, if temperature dependent, if you have a if you have a basement. Uh, or or rooms in your home that are good and dark and have a constant temperature you can you can brew year-round so I've noticed that I, I receive emails from Northern Brewer and Midwest Supply and I receive a lot of emails around pretty much any holiday heck probably even Columbus Day but certainly Fourth uh, of July uh, St. Patrick's Day you'll you'll if you got online and signed up for the for the for the emails from either one of those companies you'd certainly receive some type of holiday sale notifications. I receive a lot of them fairly consistently from from Midwest Supply, especially for their beer recipe kits. Gotcha. So I kind of already know the answer to this question, but just for those uh, out there, what is your, like, are you a cans guy, bottle guy, or maybe get into kegging a little bit? Uh, what, what do you like to store your uh, your brews in? When, once once they're done and ready for bottling, if you will, I still bottle. Yeah, definitely, a lot of home brewers. One of the first things they they upgrade to um, may either be from plastic uh, brewing equipment to stainless steel, or from bottling to to kegging. 
I have not personally dis- upgraded to kegging. One, there's some there's some cost involved buying kegs, especially if you wanted to buy new kegs. New kegs can be kind of expensive. You can buy used kegs at, at a pretty decent discount. But um, I like to be able to serve my beers individually. Uh, I don't encounter a lot of situations where uh, once I crack a keg, we're going to have that thing done in, I don't know, a week or two. It, I'm not... I'm not exactly certain how long a good homebrew will last in a keg once it's cracked, but that's why I stick with bottling. It's more labor. You have to bottle each beer, cap each beer, sanitize each beer, each bottle. Uh, but I think I, I think it, it it works better for me. Uh, I don't I don't encounter any many situations where we're going to drink a keg's worth of beer in a fairly short amount of time. I just thought of a great idea. We should get you a uh, we should get you a kegerator with a little pony keg. Oh yeah, that'd be great. And put it down in your bar so the next time we're throwing darts or some shit. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I actually have, I have friends that have kegerators. They usually fill them up with kegs they they can buy at the grocery store or your or a liquor store. But uh, you could if you had a if you had a kegerator, you could certainly throw a homebrew keg in there. No problem. That'd definitely be fun. We should look into that. The problem the problem is is that if you if you get into keg and if you when you when you keg and I, if I had a kegerator, you'd have to have a beer that's going to satisfy the masses. You know, there's a if if all your friends are beer guys, that's fine. You know, if if all your friends appreciate a good stout and IPA or any of those, that's that's going to be fine. But uh, I know in the dolphin world, unfortunately. A lot of the guys, they still like their their Bud Light and kind of your basic grocery store beers. So it might it might be tough to find to find a beer that's going to satisfy everybody. Very true. Yet we're probably the only two dolphins that would frequent the uh, dart playing cave more often. One th- what I think you, what I think Psycho Cork here is trying to refer to is I have a pretty decent man cave in my in my house and I try to keep it along an Ireland Guinness thing. So beer is the subject in my man cave and we have a good dartboard and we spend a lot of time, many hours down there drinking beer and playing darts and it's a good place for it. Especially when I when I get out the home brewers. And, and as one of the funnest things about it, being a home brewer is seeing it, how people like and react to your beers. Especially people that might not normally drink a IPA or a cream ale or a stout, you know, you, you have your typical Miller Lite, Bud Light drinkers out there and, and they're always surprised when they have a, when they try a homebrew and they say, Hey man, man, that's really good. I really like that. And so it, it, it makes you happy that they, you're making a beer and it, and it turned out good and your friends like it. And and, and I think it's it's great to kind of turn people on to, to new things, new beers. I, I've had several friends that all they drank was Bud Light, and now I have them drinking Guinness and and wheats and IPAs and and all that stuff. So it's a good one. It's it's good for a party. It's a good conversation starter, and and it's a good way to 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 find something else to have in common. And it's a good time. Yeah, I, I can I can speak a little bit to that too because uh, I was never really into like the Guinness or the darker beers, um, if you will. Uh, 
kind of before I came aboard this little ship that I'm on right now, work-wise, um, is where I met all these guys, uh, dolphins and all that good stuff. I Beer-wise, I was basically, I mean, I liked Killian's Irish Red. It was okay. But I was really into Newcastle. I say really into Newcastle. I liked Newcastle. That was probably, those are probably my two most exotic beers. However, comma... I come here, I meet these guys, and uh, like we were talking about earlier, but the the uh, raspberry wheat. Uh, raspberry wheat, uh, the raspberry wheats, and you made the Irish uh, stout. That the, those were fantastic. I like I liked those, and eventually that probably snowballed into now I am more open than I was before into drinking Guinness because I was never into Guinness at all, probably because. I was uh, misled in the beginning on the whole Guinness thing of having to... So, okay, this is going to sound stupid, but this is how it was brought to me. If you're going to drink a Guinness, you basically have to pour it, number one. Number two, you have to let it sit until it becomes room temperature, which I thought was absolutely stupid. So I meet uh, Merlin here, and he's like, yeah, that's probably the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Drink it cold. I think it even says it on the bottle or the can. It does. So... I had a bad introduction of it, but I've tried it, and I do not mind Guinness at all. I can't really say I'm to the point where I can sit and drink a whole four-pack of Guinness, but I do not mind a Guinness or two during dolphin meetings and such. It's quite tasty, and um, yeah, so that's what I got to say about that. Kind of going back to the whole Ireland deal, I remember you saying at one point that they not necessarily treat beer differently what am i trying to say they uh oh hell i'm trying to think of the story of that guy you were talking to the dude with the picture on the wall Mm -hmm. there was a story behind that i could have swore unless i was really fucked up one night we were in the basement we probably were probably that's the main case was there a story behind that or am i just thinking of shit well we got drunk with and we drank a lot of guinness but if if you're thinking on Kevin, which was the guy I met within about an hour of being in Ireland the first time, and I spent the next like seven or eight hours with him drinking beer, uh, uh, he, he drank Coors Light. He hated Guinness. He hated Guinness. That Irishman hated Guinness. And in all honesty, there's a lot of them. Um, Coors Light is very oddly very popular in ireland there's a lot of Coors light drinkers in ireland um but talking about guinness get a lot of misconceptions about guinness people think it it's going to be as thick as oil and 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 tastes like well oil and that it's going to sit on your stomach heavy in all honesty guinness has hardly any more calories per ounce or per beer than than a miller light or a bud light it's yeah it I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's it's not many more. Um, the The alcohol percentage is fairly low. I think it's like four point three percent. I could be wrong. Don't quote me. Someone in someone out in the interwebs is going to yell at me for that. But no, it's a it's actually a pretty light beer all told. It just looks dark. Well, it is dark, but it, I mean it just looks heavy. Um, but that's. It's really not the case. It gets a it gets a bad rap from kind of your regular uh, Bud Light, Miller Light, lager drinkers. So this may seem like a silly question that other people may know too, but I just I, I don't know. That's not me. But anyway, um, so what would make it dark? Uh, what would make a beer dark? Like I guess 
a better way to say it is what changes what necessarily changes the coloration of a beer is it certain ingredients or is it a way that not necessarily a way that it was brewed but like i I guess what what ingredients makes it darker it's very it's entirely the ingredients the color the darkness of a beer is going to come from the roast of the barley um guinness uh barley is is very roasty and you know that flavor will come out in the guinness and that's where that color comes from it's it's all about the all about the grains interesting so and this is probably going to sound kind of silly but uh i've heard this from john taffer at one point who's john taffer well uh, funny you ask (laughs) so I don't know if anybody's ever seen the show Bar Rescue. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, that <laughs> guy. He, he's the guy that uh, that basically is the you know the the yeller. You know, he he's kind of like the John Ramsey, if you will. That's that's a dude's name. Gordon right? Ramsey. Gordon Ramsey. There Gordon you go. Ramsey. Uh, Gordon. He's basically the Gordon Ramsey of the bar scene, for lack of a better term. Uh, but his big thing, I remember at one point because I was into Bar Rescue for a while. Hence is why. I have, well, it's a dwindling cocktail lounge now, but uh, when I lived in a couple apartment complexes ago, I had quite an impressive little beginner's bar um, Bad thing setup. about when you, when you have a good bar set up and you drink it, it has to be replenished. That, yeah. That's the unfortunate part of it. But that's also half the fun, is going and buying new bottles and buying new things and, yeah, and trying new stuff. Well, hell, that uh, the all three of the Smirnoffs that are over there, my uh, no, I replaced the Tangeray. Okay, so I lied. The only thing that's still over there is Smirnoffs, <laughs> vodkas, because I am not a big vodka uh, person. For I'll get into that later, at some point maybe, probably not. Anyway, back to beer. So, uh, uh, real quick to close up the whole Guinness deal. How cool was it to go to the brewery in Guinness and kind of see like like what do you what did you see I guess when you did the whole tour and how was it to you know learn how to pour it and all that good stuff like how cool was that the the history of Guinness I mean not enough could be said about that it going to the brewery and seeing all the old artifacts and the 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 history of the company and the brewery and back to you know, you would see their old advertisements and Guinness has been, everybody knows Guinness for their advertisements, you know, Guinness for strength and, and the, the animals with the, I don't know, the penguins or the, you know, the, the seagulls or all of those things. I can't remember the names of the animals. There's but like an ostrich or yeah, something like that. All those it. things, all those things. Um, it, it's amazing. Um, you know, Arthur Guinness when he bought his brewery or signed his original lease, it was a 10,000 year lease, 10,000 years. Of course, you know, that's kind of come and gone. They've, they've changed and they've expanded and that, that I'm not certain that that lease really still applies, but that's what, that's the, the lease he signed at the time. Um, It was great. It's, it's like, you know, if you're a baseball fan, it's like going to Fenway. If you're a, you know, a fan of anything, you know, if you're a Harley fan, it's like going to Milwaukee. Right. You know, it's like going home and paying homage to 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 the greatest that there is. 
And so that if you're a beer guy going to Ireland, there really isn't much bigger of a of, of a trip that you can do. So going to going to get us going to uh, St. James Gate for the first time and getting your picture taken, uh, learn how to uh, pour pour a Guinness beer, which there is a science to it. I'm not going to get into that right now, uh, but but there is. Uh, man, that's just it's for for a beer lover. That's just a that's a, a lifetime dream. What what was it that you walked away with that's got your name on it besides the certificate? Because don't you have like a bottle? Oh yeah, the, in the in the gift shop at Saint, at the at the brewery at St. James Gate, you can you can put your put your name on a bottle. And my wife go. and I both have in, in the man cave. We've got our names on our own bottles. We've got our certificates, and we've both got uh, pictures of ourselves uh, getting our certificates. It's 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 a lot of fun. Really cool. Really cool. If I ever grow up and, you know, am able to go on vacation, I would love to go check that out. I I would recommend it. Yeah. (laughs) So a lot of stuff I'd love to do if I, uh, you know, grow up and actually uh, get out on vacation, (laughs) except, you know, uh, my vacations usually end up going to the zoo or something like that. But, you know, it's all a lovely part of having kids. Uh, so getting back to the brewing. And all yeah, we good strayed stuff. away from a little bit. We really we? did, but it was, yeah, we, went, we went way off course. It's all right. It was all relevant. It was all cool. Um, let me see. Uh, so any advice you could give to somebody that may be inspired by our conversation or just in, if they've ever been thinking about it, start brewing like, you know, tips and tricks or just anything you can throw out there for the beginner. There are a couple things, not, not really tips and tricks. Um, getting into home brewing and, and any brewers will say this, uh, cleanliness and sanitizing, sanitization, is that the right? Sanitization are, 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 are key. Uh, you have to have clean equipment. If you, if you do not properly clean and sanitize your equipment, uh, you run the risk of at best having off flavors come in in, into your brews you may get some flavors of your past brew come into your new brew at worst mm. you you run the risk of uh of having a bad batch a, a bad batch of beer and what happens with a bad batch is you get you might get bacteria or something that wasn't sanitized in 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 within your equipment um and that bacteria once placed in the fermentation vessel will multiply and multiply and multiply and that will ruin a batch of beer and unfortunately you're only going to find that out at the end when it's time to bottle uh, you'll find out that you have bad beer and so it, it it really sucks to to spend the time to make the wort and you know boil the boil the hops and do all the things that you have to do and ferment it and put it into a secondary fermenter and then and then sanitize your bottles, and then bottle it, and then wait for those to, to to carbonate. And weeks later, you find out you've ruined a batch of beer. Yeah. Uh, cleanliness. Cleanliness. Sanitize, sanitize, clean, sanitize. Number one rule, always. That cannot be stressed enough. And, 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 it, and it shouldn't sound daunting. It's not. There's some great products out there. Um, uh, there's a couple. One step. Uh, is kind of a, a cleanser 
slash sanitizer. It does a little bit of the sanitizing duties. Uh, five star sanitizer is a good one. Um, so those are two products, two names that you'd want to become familiar with. Again, one step, five star. Those are important. That's the number one, number one rule uh, in home brewing: cleanliness of your of your uh, equipment. So, kind of fun fact, even though this is a little out of the uh, beer deal, but it still deals with alcohol. So, anyway, uh, so I learned that apparently Don Julio, when they go to sanitize their bottles or wash out their their bottles, they actually do it with their own tequila. They so use they, tequila to sanitize the tequila they, they, bottles. Yeah, well, something that would probably so, work. Something to that effect. I that in all honesty. In my head, that makes sense. I have cut myself before, and being a young 20-something-year-old, I didn't have alcohol or peroxide, but I did have vodka. So <laughs> I have I have clean cuts with vodka before, so that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. It, it works. <laughs> so is it just like, is it like a straight-up alcohol that you would eat? Well, not, I guess not a, uh, what am I trying to say, like a food-grade it's all you know, one step and five star. If, if I if I remember correctly, I don't want to be misquoted. Someone out there may tell me I'm wrong. Uh, I know one step is a is considered a rinseless a rinseless cleanser. So technically, you shouldn't have to rinse it once you've cleaned your uh, equipment with these products. You you shouldn't have to rinse it. Um, I I do still rinse it. That just because I'm kind of particular like that. And I may be doing myself a, dis- a disservice because I rinse it with with water that could carry its own problems. But uh, uh, one step and five star are considered uh, food grade, rinse free. Uh, you don't have to rinse it, but again, I still do. That's just me. So yeah, not necessary if you're using I- either of those products. The the the. Gotcha. The chemicals which they use should not impart any flavors into the beer that you're making. Gotcha. That's that's the goal. That's the, the purpose of those products. Gotcha. So, yeah, it's uh, it, I don't know why it, you said something earlier that kind of reminded me, of, like, you know, you don't want to mix your brews getting, you know, like let's say you're mixing a, I'm just going to throw words out there, you're mixing a stout and you don't want to the next batch which may be a pilsner to taste like a stout. So, so if anybody out there is looking for something to correlate that with, uh, picture trying to paint something. Uh, let's say you try to paint a door red, and you want to paint something white. Well, you don't want you know obviously red paint to go on that white door. Yeah, clean your brushes. Clean your brushes. So clean your brushes. Clean your stuff. Clean everything. Sanitization number one. So the last thing that I've got, and I think it's funny because we were talking about earlier, you know, maybe thirty minutes seems like yeah. a lot, but here yeah, we, we didn't we didn't think we were going to go so long. I thought this might be a segment of of the Psycho Quirk podcast, um, but it's turned out I think we're at about forty three minutes. This is damn near a whole show because I still got to put <laughs> I got to put the intro, the there's, outro. You know what, man? There's still a lot of stuff we haven't touched on. I'm just looking at the notes here. I haven't I haven't touched on uh, any some of the uh, stainless steel equipment companies. Uh, uh, 
extract versus all grain, five gallon versus ten gallon. Man, there's well, a lot of stuff out there. Throw that, throw that out there. Well, I'll do that. Tell you what, uh, and the the listeners aren't aren't going to know this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask the gentleman here to take a uh, a quick pause. You're not going to hear the pause, but we'll be. Can we be right back? We can be right back. We can be right back. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Okay, and we're back, even though you'll never hear about it. So, yeah, that break was much longer than you're really going to notice. Exactly. <laughs> it's all right. Everybody's got to visit the urination station once in a while. So we were talking at one point about extract versus all grain. Is there anything you can uh, maybe expand on a little bit? Maybe just, I don't know, anything you want to throw out there? Okay. Absolutely. I, You know, a beginning home brewer, again, starting off, with uh, with your basic homebrew equipment setup, you're probably going to start off with plastic, uh, you know your your buckets and your hoses, and probably start with the extract, which I mentioned was um, an ec- extract version of malted barley, kind of molasses type stuff that provides the sugars for the beer, stuff for the yeast to eat, makes the alcohol, makes carbonation. So extract. Uh, One step up from that is all-grain brewing. All-grain brewing, which I have not started yet, I'm contemplating graduating to, uh, which would also require me to step up my equipment game just a bit. All-grain is where you no longer have an extract. You don't have that molasses product, type product, that extract barley, it is strictly all grain. You have pounds and pounds of barley that you're going to uh, steep in your water to make your wort that uh, that gets the sugar into into the wort and then gives your yeast something to eat. But with that comes size. Your regular stock pot that you've got on your stove that you're using for your extract brewing is no longer going to be sufficient for all grain brewing. I'm sure someone out there is going to tell me I'm wrong you, that you can use a five-gallon or a four-gallon stock pot for all grain. That's fine. But the majority of the reviews that you read or the videos that you watch are going to say that you want to graduate to probably a seven-and-a-half-gallon or, or even a ten-gallon uh, pot in order to do all-grain brewing. So with that, you, you have your, all of your grain that you steep in the water, you make your wort, and then uh, you add your hops, and you and you uh, you put it in into your uh, fermenter. Add your yeast, and over time, it'll make your beer. With that, upgrading your equipment. I've been uh, contemplating upgrading from my plastic equipment, my initial uh, beginner setup, to kind of a more advanced, probably leaning towards stainless steel, uh, which I think. If you're not if you're not going to go, if you don't graduate from bottling to kegging, your next your next upgrade is probably going to be from plastic to stainless steel, and probably from extract to all grain. Uh, great thing about all grain uh, kits that you can buy from Midwest Supply. Again, these are pre-made kits for about any beer you want to make, whether it be an Irish stout, uh, a cream ale, uh, a honey wheat, all kinds of IPAs. Um, they're, they're cheaper, uh, but they're the labor, they're a little bit more labor intensive. So once you 
graduate or want to upgrade your equipment from your plastic to to maybe to some stainless steel, some of the the big names that you might start leaning towards are SS Brewtech, uh, Spike Brewing, or Anvil. Uh, those are all very very well re- and Blickman. Sorry, Blickman is a fourth. Those are all very well respected companies in the in the homebrew field. SS Brewtech. Some are more expensive than others. A lot of people love SS Brewtech. SS Brewtech comes with kind of a premium price tag. I hope I don't want to get sued for that or anything, but it has a tendency to be a little more expensive. And they've been around for a while. Anvil Brewing is a little newer, and they are a maybe a subsidiary or a, a, a kind of a break off of Blickman. They they are associated with Blickman. One big thing about Anvil and and the products they provide, the fermenters and the carboys and uh, uh, the the bottling equipment, is that they've been endorsed by a guy named John Palmer. John Palmer is really one of the, the, the first and foremost names in home brewing. He, he's been doing it forever. He... He literally wrote the book on home brewing, and want to emphasize one book that I would really recommend anyone getting into home brewing is a book called How to Brew. Everything you need to know uh, to be to brew beer right the first time by John Palmer. The guy is he just knows everything, and this book, and, and I'm holding it in my hand. And just and just doing a, a quick look, you're looking at it's about 300, 350 pages. Uh, there's a, there's a lot to it, but it really has all of the information you would need to know about how to brew beer. But I in, in saying that it's 350 pages, I don't want to deter anyone and think that's uh, uh, too daunting. Because in all honesty, you can learn how to brew beer in about the first 20 pages. The first 20 pages, you will be able to brew your your first beer and it'll probably come out great it touches on everything from sanitizing equipment fermentation uh better uh hops um you know hops do two things they provide a little bitterness to counteract the sweetness of the malted barley as well as uh providing aroma to the beer so but after those first pages you start getting into uh into a lot of the scientific aspects of uh, water composition, you know, testing your water at home. I currently, I live in Kansas City. Our water is pretty decent, and that's what I use to brew my beer. Uh, The beer turns out great. Some people may live in places where they either have hard water or the water may not be of of decent quality. Uh, That's something that you might want to keep in mind. Uh, So, again... How to Brew by John Palmer. The first 20 pages, you're going to learn how to brew a beer. And you're going to learn how to do it right. But if, if you really want to graduate and stick to it, the, the, the chapters afterwards, getting into water composition, additional equipment, uh, making your own recipes, it really, really is the place to start. And not only start, that's really, I'm sure there's other great books out there, but it really has it all. You, I don't, I don't, in my personal opinion, you don't need to go any farther. Buy that book. That's the one book that you would, you would use and keep for the rest of your home brewing hobby. 
So really, it's the book to have, whether you want to be just the regular old beginner that brews, uh, you know, say to state your own, uh, I don't want to say appetite, but your own, uh, your own hobby, if you will, uh, your own drinking uh, enjoyment, or if you want to take things to the next level. So it sounds like a good book to have. Uh, I thought of something as you were talking. So you were saying something about hard water and such if you live in certain places. Is there, it, let, let's say you live in uh, some place that just has really hard water or there's, uh, for let's just say, for some reason, they, uh, I don't want to say Flint, Michigan. Yeah, that yeah, <laughs> like, that'd probably wouldn't be a great place to humbrew. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, um, yeah. See. We all know about Flint, Michigan. The water there is is not so great. Exactly. So that's that's probably a bad segue. But uh, my 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 point that I was trying to get to was, let's say you live in a place that has uh, the harshest water or something like that. You is could, there you could like really say about anywhere in the desert? You know, uh, California, Arizona. You know, I know the water out there isn't really great for for drinking or cooking, for the most part. And I only say that because. I, I, I've lived in Arizona for a little bit. I have friends that live in Arizona and California, and a lot of them uh, will, they either have built-in water filtration systems or they go fill their five-gallon jugs at the grocery store. It's very common. Right. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that just kind of popped in my head. No, it's all good. Um, no, I was just thinking in places like, because uh, like around here you have towns like Kearney or Gladstone, and I know both of those, I used to live in Gladstone, and I had an aunt at one point in time that lived in Kearney. And to be honest with you, you pour a glass of water in Kearney, and it just tasted absolutely horrible. So my question is, I guess, if you live in a place that has horrible tasting water and or hard water, for lack of a better term, is there a way that you can, like, like do you go out and buy distilled water or, like, baby water? Or, like, if you live in a if you, if you live in a shitty place and you need some, some good water, can you go to, like, Walmart and buy, like, the baby water, the distilled water, you know, uh, something like that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't do distilled water. I don't remember the ins and outs of distilled water. I don't think it's recommended for homebrew. I really don't think distilled water is recommended for drinking, in all honesty. But I could be wrong. Um, however, any... Any time, any water filtration place. Again, I think did you, maybe you may have mentioned Walmart. I'm not sure, um, but they have the where you can get the five gallon jugs mm. of uh, filtered purified water. Um, that wouldn't be a bad idea. I again, I don't have to do it. The water at my house is pretty decent, but if you're in a place that has, you know, shitty water. Uh, you know, good water is where is where it's going to start. So you want to start with a, a good foundation. You don't want to start with hard hard water. Or, you know, with too much too many minerals or because those the flavors in 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 bad water will impart into your beer. So if, if you can find filtered water or a place where you can fill a five gallon jug uh, or something like that, I I would recommend it. So ideally, you would call, say, I don't know, uh, wherever you live, but uh, out here you see the Culligan Man. Culligan Man. So, so theoretically, the best idea if you have hard water would be to call the Culligan Man or whatever's closer to you. So now to get a little bit into the, uh, I know this is like a regular guy DIY, and that's all well and good, but like, is there a way? 
if somebody was to be like super duper cheap, is there a super duper cheap way to get into bring your like, you know, say go to Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever your big box store is, buy some five gallon things, uh, go to, you know, True Value or whatever your local hardware store is and buy the absolute cheapest uh, hoses or such. Like, is there a I guess my my question is, is there a absolute El cheapo way, <laughs> for lack of a better term, to uh, get into home brewing. Maybe you know, for somebody who's like, well, I want to see if I'm at least maybe possibly into it, but I don't want to drop the money right at this point. But let's just, I don't know, play with it for lack of a better term. I hope that makes sense. It, um, it makes sense. Uh, it's not something I would I would recommend uh, when you when you talk about the fermentation vessels which are really just, are, they're plastic buckets. In simplified terms, they're plastic buckets. However, they are food-grade plastic buckets. I don't know if they're BPA-free, but they are food-grade, and so they are specifically for home brewing. Someone out there might say, hey, it's just the same plastic that you're going to find in another plastic bucket. That may be true. Second point is, when I say you're making five gallons five gallons of beer, the buckets I, I have, I believe, are actually 6.5. So to make five gallons of beer, you don't want a five-gallon bucket. It's not going to be big enough. You need room within the bucket for fermentation. Uh, when, you, when, you have the, when your yeast starts to activate and, and eat the sugars, it produces a lot of gas. It produces um, uh, uh, like a foam. Uh, with within the buckets so you you actually need a buckets that are are larger than your typical five gallon and i think if i recall correctly if you order like a beginner's kit from midwest supply or northern brewer i think you end up with like six or six and a half gallon buckets so no i would not recommend going going to your lo local hardware store and, and buying anything like that when it comes to the hoses that are used for trans, uh, transferring your beer from one container to another. I'm not certain if they're really different or not. Uh, they're kind of a clear silicone PVC type bendy hoses. Again, if, if I, you, I would lean on the side of caution, you know, stick, stick with a, a, a homebrew supplier. And to rewind a little bit, I, I never mentioned this, there are tons of homebrew supply stores in cities around the country. You probably, unless you live in a very small town, if you live in a decent-sized town, chances are there's a homebrew supply store there. Uh, go, go in there, talk to the people. They, they have the knowledge. They sell the equipment. Anything you're going to need here in Kansas City, we have several of them. Um, that's a great place to start. But again, if you, if you really just want to uh, you know, save some money, I would err on the side of caution, go to Midwest Supply, go to Northern Brewer, and just start off with a beginner a beginner brewing kit. So it sounds like it's uh, just better to not do your own, but basically not DIY necessarily your own kit, but just to go buy a kit, just safety's sake. And, you know, the quality of the beer would be a lot better for that. So... Uh, Random question I thought of, is, and you might have asked this, answered this already, and if we have, I could just edit this out. I probably did. You've been drinking. 
I have been drinking. Um, so the benefits on stainless steel to plastic. Did you answer that? Um, I, I may have touched on it a, a, a little bit. There are people out there that will say there's not really a difference. There are other people that will say that over time your plastic can um, impart, uh, you know, plastic is a porous material. It will, when cleaning, you might scratch it. It might um, impart off flavors or not necessarily off flavors, but flavors off your past brews. And when, when a liquid is fermenting in a, in a container for weeks and weeks, Oh, there's a lot happening. There's, you know, the yeast is eating the sugars and producing CO2 and there's a lot going on. So I, starting off, plastic is fine. I, I've never noticed any off flavors with using my, my, uh, my plastic buckets and my plastic materials. And in my, and my primary fermentation vessel is actually, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been stained. I mean, it's been cleansed. It's been sanitized, but it's it's it started off white, and it's certainly not white anymore. Uh, it's probably time for a new one. But with proper cleaning, proper cleansing, proper sanitizing, um, I've not noticed any 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 off flavors. But again, I am thinking about graduating to stainless steel. Um, you know, who doesn't who doesn't like new toys, new things? Exactly. You know, everybody wants. <laughs> You know, the, the, and stainless steel is nice and shiny and bright and clean and new and, you know, nice shiny things. So, um, the good thing about stainless steel is it's, it's harder to scratch. It's not going to impart any, it's not going to stain. It's not going to, uh, you're definitely not going to, if you clean it properly, you're not going to, uh, get any off flavors or anything from past brews in, into your new brews. So it's just kind of the next step in the process. Uh, again, I mentioned earlier, home brewing is a hobby just like e- any other hobby where you can you can make a great beer for a hundred dollars, or you can spend you could spend ten thousand dollars on a on a home brew, you know, on a home brew setup, and they sell them. Uh, it's not unheard of. So you can you know, but I I would certainly recommend start at the bottom, learn what you're doing. And, and, and go from there. Once it's once you've learned what you're doing, then graduate uh, to better equipment or to kegging or wherever whatever direction it is you want to go, uh, and, and go from there. Just like anything, <clears throat> and as you could you could probably see, but the audience can't. Uh, <laughs> talking about graduating, so I, I so I, I I've mentioned in a, a podcast or two before that uh, I've upgraded my PC. And as Merlin can see right now, uh, I got the little PC I started out with, which I probably spent maybe six hundred dollars. And there's a lovely crack of the beer. <laughs> <laughs> I spent maybe a good six hundred dollars on a custom built PC, and the one that we're using now uh, literally looks like it belongs in uh, I don't know. We'll go ahead and say NASA's. Yeah, uh, something like space station or something like that. I guarantee the whatever put the the rover on uh, the the men on the moon in 1969 did not have the computing power of this thing. I probably could run By some uh, some hardcore calculations. Yeah, uh, I know it plays Skyrim really well, uh, heavily modded Skyrim at that. But that's for another segment. 
So let me see. The last thing that I have, I think you've already answered. Not true. Oh. So my question, and I'll just go ahead and read it, was since you already know how to brew your own beer, does that knowledge traverse into brewing any other kinds of drinks, such as mead? So I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. Have you ever thought into maybe getting like a still and possibly doing, not, I don't want to say necessarily moonshine, but, you know, say like your own whiskeys or anything like that or, uh, uh, yeah, just anything crazy like that. Have you ever maybe thought of uh, expanding your uh, your brewing skills into maybe other enjoyed uh, alcoholic adult beverages? Actually, I, I have because I'm kind of a fan of all of all the boozes. Uh, it's just something I enjoy. Um, I wouldn't consider myself an alcoholic because... No, al- al- alcoholics go to meetings. You're, you're... That's true. I don't want to offend anyone out there. But I, I, would, I, would, I would assume that anyone going to, to rehab probably isn't listening to a podcast about how to brew their own beer. But again, not looking to offend anyone. I have, looked, I have considered um, uh, distilling my own uh, spirits. There are there are there's equipment out there uh, for home distilling just as there is for home brewing. Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember the, the names of any of them. In, in actuality, and I don't want to bore you with the fact that I, I'm failing to recall these things. However, uh, Google is a is a great tool, and if you wanted to get into distilling your own home spirits, you you could do the same just as you would homebrew. Uh, just do some googling. There's equipment out there. Uh, you can get it. You can make. I assume you could probably make your own whiskeys, gins, and vodkas, and in the sort. So. Yeah, any of that you can you can make any of those at, at home, and I would probably, I would probably be fairly confident in saying that'd be better than what you might consider a bathtub gin. Certainly, anything sounds better than a bathtub. Gin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had I had a buddy at one point um, back in my uh, in my Barclay days. He used to take. Some of our HVAC equipment, which, just in case you don't know, HVAC it sounds is... sounds like it's going to go in a very bad direction. Well, it really did. I mean, it's, it's a very interesting direction. So he took some of our HVAC equipment, and I say, like, our line sets, and for anybody that doesn't know, HVAC is uh, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. Um, but he took some of our line sets, like... The What's we, a line set? Well, I'm glad you asked. Line set is what you use to hook up the uh, condensing unit, which is your air conditioning unit outside, to your air handler, which is a.k.a. your furnace, which what everybody calls it. So that's what connects both of them together, which transfers the refrigerant from one portion to the other. So, yeah, that's that. So so the uh, he would take some of the HVAC equipment, like the, the smaller line sets. I don't know what the hell the sizes were. Like three eighths or something, three eighths and three quarters. You know, like I can just rattle that off like a like a pro. So he would take our uh, our low and our high side line sets, and he would make his own random stillery out of that and a like a random bucket of. Cra- I don't know how he did it, but he sure as hell MacGyvered the hell out of this thing, and he would go into different vacant units. And start boiling whatever it is that you would boil to make the moonshine. 
and it would just absolutely smell horrible. However, comma, the, the long story short, he actually did make a moonshine, which I actually still have some in one of my three to four fridges that I have in this house for, for some reason. I'm very curious. I think it's out in the garage. Let's try some, maybe. Curious yet <clears throat> equally apprehensive. Yeah, exactly. I, I would be too. I wish I had some of the apple pie moonshine that he made because it was actually, actually he didn't make it. I, that was a total lie. Somebody else made it and he said it was his. <sighs> Sorry, dude. I just, uh, I just gave your secret away, but it's okay. Nobody cares. Anyway, um, yeah, stillaries. Great stuff. You can actually find that stuff on, uh, Prepper's websites too. They have a lot of, uh, uh, what is it? CH Cad Hells. I don't know how to pronounce it, but they have a lot of prepper. Uh, you can buy a, a cheap ish still on a prepper website for, I think it's like four, five hundred bucks, something to that effect. But anyway, all well and good on there. That's all the questions I really got. Merlin, you got anything to maybe throw in there that we didn't touch on or. I think we went through everything we got. We went through a lot. Um, of course, homebrewing is one of those things you can go on and on about. Like I said, the book "How to Brew" by John Palmer. The first twenty pages is going to teach you how how to how to brew beer, but yet the book is three hundred and fifty pages. Uh, there's certainly there's no end to the science to the water quality and all the information that you can learn and and anything you read is just going to make you a better brewer again living in kansas city one interesting book that i bought uh actually met <laughs> one of the there's a guy in kansas city his name is pete doolin he he wrote a book called kansas city beer a history of brewing in the heartland it's a if you're in the kansas city area or in the midwest um it provides a really good history of uh, brewing in the Midwest, uh, St. Louis breweries, Kansas City breweries, and everything, and how it all started back in the 1800s until now. Um, but, but yeah, you know, we could pick up this conversation next week and probably talk do it all over again. Uh, there's no anyone out there who's a beer fanatic like I am. I've I've traveled all over the world and. When we travel, my wife, she wants to, I don't know, find the pretty places to take pictures. And all I want to do is find the, the coolest breweries. So we can pick this up another day. It's been good talking to you guys. And I hope this was a decent introduction to homebrew. If you have any questions, let us know. Absolutely. So uh, like, he, like he said, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll definitely have Merlin back for another one. I hope everybody enjoyed uh, our little conversation here about home brewing, and like he said, if you uh, are looking for any additional information on this, you can always go to cyclesworld.com. Remember, Cycles World is spelled with a Z, not an S. I will have a lot of the links, if not all of them, uh, to some of the stuff that we talked about in the show notes, so that you guys can look those up on your on your own and uh, check it out, and you know maybe even hopefully get you interested in homebrewing yourself if you're into that type of thing and you know it's a like like it's like I say it's a regular guy diy type of thing so or gal you know uh, saying gals can't get out there and start brewing their own beers uh anybody get out there start brewing your own beers i don't care who or what you are get out there start <laughs> if that's your thing man go out there and start doing your own thing you know who who gives a shit to be honest with you 
Anyway, that's going to do it for this portion of the show. Merlin, I would like to thank you once again for coming on, giving your uh, knowledge in the subject, and uh, hopefully we can get you back again for another one. Anytime. I know little, but I'll be glad to share it. Fantastic. guys that is going to do it for me on this episode i want to thank you very much for tuning in this week and i also want to rethink merlin for coming on and uh talking a little bit of beer brewing with me remember you can catch the show i'm gonna go ahead and say thursdays that seems to be the new day roughly around lunchtime that's 12 p.m central in case you may not go to lunch when i do you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram, although I'm a little bit more active on Twitter. However, come, I am PsychoCourt420 on both. You can send any questions, comments, or concerns to Matt at PsychosWorld.com, and please be sure to note the show number in the email and or subject line. Remember, PsychosWorld is spelled with a Z, not an S. You can now show your support for the podcast in two ways. That's right, if you enjoy what I'm doing here and would like to show me some love, you can do so by becoming a patron through Patreon. You can also show your support by checking out the Cycles World Shop and picking up a shirt, hat, hoodie, or any other random item that I got on there. Heads up though, shirt sizes do run small, so get a size bigger than what you'd normally wear. You should be all good to go. For information on both ways and any additional resources, please be sure to check out CyclesWorld.com. I will catch you guys all on the next one. Thank you once again for listening. I'm out.